Uh, let's go ahead and get into the reading of our word here this morning. First Samuel chapter 1. I am going to be reading the entire chapter, okay? So please be patient while I read what I believe is a really powerful and beautiful story uh, here in the Bible. And I pray that just reading it will encourage you here this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to pray for a couple of things right now. We want to pray, Lord God, for our current council, that you will continue to bless and encourage them as we meet, Lord God, uh, in these very difficult and challenging circumstances that we're facing as a church in these days. Not only our church, but all the churches in America and all the churches around the world, Father, that are striving to continue to do what we do, Lord God, under these very, very strict conditions that we have to deal with. Uh, concerning the COVID restrictions, Lord. And we pray right now, God, that you would just bless our, our council, bless our, our, our the offerings that we're about to receive, Lord God, today and that are being sent in by the church members. We thank you for their faithfulness and their loyalty to the church, Lord. And we pray right now, God, that you would bless the reading of your word, anoint it, give it life. Allow me as your servant to be able to communicate effectively. I need your help, Lord God. Organize my thoughts and my words. Let your spirit, Lord God, now take control of everything that we're doing and saying and, and participating in right now. We thank you for the worship, the praise, the announcements, the offerings, the life and the activity of the church, the prayer time. But now, Lord, we need for you to speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Very good. Let me go ahead and read this first chapter in the book of 1 Samuel, which I think is uh, one of the most beautiful stories in, in the Bible. And it says this. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. <clears throat> year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. 
Eli thought she was drunk and she and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life, He will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. This is a uh, wonderful story in the Bible, one of many, many stories in the Bible. Sometimes the Bible can be really tedious and hard to understand, and there's genealogies and difficult things that uh, that the Bible talks about. But this is like a little storybook story, and it's a beginning of the story of a young man by the name of Samuel. Okay, Now, we've been looking at the lives of of children or actually young men that became great leaders of God even though they had to face or deal with very difficult circumstances in their lives. We began this a few months ago when we talked about David. We began looking at the life of David when he was a young boy. Those of us who have been in church for any length of time, uh, we know a lot about David when he became a king. But in our study, we focused on David's childhood or his boyhood or as he, was, as he became a young man. We learned that when David was a boy, he was one of eight boys that were born to Jesse. David also had two sisters, Zeruiah and Abigail. And we learned that David was a neglected son of his dad, Jesse. His dad did not see David as significant or important. As far as dad was concerned, all the other boys were important, but not David. He was like the runt of the family. Those of you that have been with us know that David was the one that was not invited to the party. He was not invited to the dinner. And yet David became a great leader for God. Then we looked at the life of Joseph, the son of Jacob. Joseph had 11 other brothers and one sister. Her name was Dinah. And we learned that Joseph was the opposite of David. In Joseph's case, Joseph was the favorite son 
of Jacob. And we learn that Joseph paid a heavy price for being the favorite of all the children that were born to Jacob. Joseph went through a lot of suffering, a lot of temptation and pain, and yet Joseph became a great leader for God. Recently, last week, as a matter of fact, we concluded our study on the life of Josiah. And we learned that Josiah came from a very dangerously and dysfunctional home filled with evil, satanic influences, and sadistic and a sadistic environment. And yet Josiah became a great leader for God. Those of you that have been with us, are you tracking with me so far? Can you say amen? We talked about David. We talked about Joseph. And we talked about Josiah. Okay? Today, I wanted to begin looking at the life of another young man. And, that, and he also became a great leader for God. And his name is Samuel. Samuel is a miracle child. Samuel's dad is named Elkanah. And Samuel's mom is named Hannah. And we're going to learn that Samuel was like an orphan child. Samuel was given away by his parents at a very young age and was raised without his parents, without his family, and he was raised in the house of God. Now, all of this information is important because you may be like one of these young people that we have discussed. Those of you listening online, you may fit uh, the category of one of these young men that we've discussed. You may be like David. You may see yourself like David. He, David looked as the looked as if he was the runt of the family. He looked as the, as if he was the black sheep of the family. You may look at yourself as insignificant or consider yourself unimportant. The last one in a pickup game to be picked up for basketball or for some other sport. You feel left out. You feel that you are made to be feel like a loser or made to feel invisible. This is how you feel about yourself. And I want to encourage you today with some good news. If you feel this way, if you feel discouraged about yourself, if you feel like you're not anything important, I want you to understand that if you hook up with God, here's a lesson. If you hook up with God, God will make you into a great leader. He'll heal you of all these insecurities. He'll heal you of all this lack of confidence. He'll help you not to feel like a loser or a reject. He'll encourage you and get your self-confidence up and make you a winner instead of you feeling like a loser all the time. You just hook up with God. That's what we learn from the life of David. Or you may be like Joseph. You may come from a good family, a successful and well-respected family, and you are the cream of the crop. You are the favorite child. In a sense, you're kind of like spoiled rotten. You're on your way to success. Everything is going well for you. But I want to encourage you today that true success comes when you connect to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Success is not determined in terms of God by how much you earn or what your position is or what your, how, how popular you are. No, no, no. It's whether you're connected to God or not. Matthew chapter 16 verse 26 says this what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul so don't be fooled by wealth and popularity and success and riches and and, and all these positive things no 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 if you are not connected to God I want to encourage you don't be fooled get connected to God and he will change your life now, in reference to success, some of you may have heard of the Grossman Burn Center. This is led by Dr. Peter and Rebecca Grossman. They're the heads of this hospital that specializes in treating burn victims and also in plastic reconstruction 
surgeries. These people are known all over the world for the great work that they do uh, for those that have suffered serious burns on their body. Peter Grossman took over, the, uh, over this uh, successful business from his dad, Dr. A. Richard Grossman. Okay, now I'm mentioning this for a reason. I'm going to connect all of this in just a little bit. Now, I want to show you a picture that has some people that you may uh, know in it. Can we show that picture, Josh? Okay, oh, there it is right there. Okay, in this picture, you see Julie and I, you see Reverend Maddie, you see Mel and Bessie. Is that Joe Rabino? Oh, no, who is that right there? It looks like Joe, but I'm, oh, no, you know who that is? That's uh, the guy from the Catholic Church. Somebody help me. Oh, Bessie's not here to help me. Uh, I forget his name. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I forget his name. And then you see Reverend Terry and Sandy Brim, okay? This is an awesome picture, right? Now, this picture shows us, okay, and uh, we are at the Hilton in Woodland Hills for the Encino Chamber of Commerce Service Awards. And Mel Wilson at this, uh, at this ceremony um, was given a special award in honor of a justice named Arman Arabian. And he received this award, and there was all kinds of important people, all kinds of political people, people there, all kinds of important uh, 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 politicians there. And Mel got up there, and he gave an awesome, awesome speech. Mel, if you're listening, you did a great job okay, on that day. And he gave a speech that gave, gave glory to God. But there was another speaker, and it was Dr. Peter Grossman, who is, of course, the head of the Grossman Burn Center that I just mentioned, okay? And after the event, I asked his wife, Rebecca Grossman, to take a picture, to take this picture. Now, she did not feel too confident because of the technology on the phone, so she handed the phone to her daughter, and her daughter was the one that actually took this picture, okay? Now, I'm going to make this connection. Why am I mentioning all of this? The Grossman family is one of the most influential, probably one of the richest and wealthiest families in the United States, in my opinion. Okay? And he was one of the guest speakers at this uh, event where Mal Wilson was honored with this very special award. And he gave up and he gave that speech. And I don't know if you heard, but at the beginning of this month, there was a terrible accident over here in the Calabasas, Westlake, Thousand Oaks area. And sadly, it involved Rebecca Grossman, who is the wife of Peter Grossman, and the one that actually, whose daughter took that picture for us. And in that accident, sadly, okay, uh, Rebecca Grossman apparently, sadly, we don't know that it's going to go to trial. There's all kinds of, but uh, apparently it appears that she uh, struck two boys, 11 years old and 8 years old, and they were both killed. Okay, and uh, we have an article about that. You can t go ahead and read all the details of the article. The court is going to be, uh, they're going to be going to court over all of this. But regardless, uh, don't you hate it when bad things happen to really good people? Doesn't that like hurt you? And then we see some of these people that are so evil and so wicked and so bad, and yet nothing ever happens to them. Okay, well, anyways. This is a really sad thing. What is my point? My point is this. I don't know if Peter and Rebecca Grossman know God. 
I don't know if they're religious or not. I don't know if they're Christian or Jewish or non-religious. I don't I have no idea. But here's the sad reality of their situation. All their riches, all their power, all their influence, all their intelligence, all their achievements, everything that they have up to this point in life is not going to be able to help them in this situation. If she ends up being guilty of this horrible situation that involved the death of these two boys, she's going to go to prison. That's why even if you feel that you are successful, you still need to connect to God. You still have to have a relationship with God because believe me, when the bottom falls out and all that stuff that you've accomplished and all that wealth that you have, it's not going to do you any good if you are not connected with God. As a matter of fact, what I want to do right now, church, I want to pray for Rebecca and I want us to pray for the family of those two boys that were killed. Just imagine... How horrible those that mom and dad feel that they're two, they saw in front of their face their two boys getting run over by this car and killed. And that's a very, very sad thing. So let's pray for Rebecca. Let's pray for the family of those two boys right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we were not there. We don't know all the details of what happened. But sadly, right now, Rebecca appears to be facing a lot of prison time. And that's a very, very sad reality, Lord. And we pray for her. We pray for her family. We pray, Lord God, because this is a good family. They're a generous family. Uh, they, they, they do so much good for the community. And they're connected to all kinds of po political leaders and all kinds of community people. And so we pray for her. We pray for her husband. We pray for the daughter. We pray for the entire family. Because I'm sure, Lord God, that this is a, a tormenting thing, even for Rebecca, knowing, Lord God, that she may have uh, caused the death of these two boys by running them over. That's a, a tormenting thing for, for any person to live with, Lord. So we pray that you will touch her mind. And we pray right now for the mom and dad of those two boys that were run over, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord God, for their sanity, for their health, for their well-being. We pray, Lord God, for their healing and their soul over this tragic death of their two boys, Lord Jesus. And then having to see that right in front of their eyes. What a, what a horrible living nightmare that they must be living, Lord God. So we pray for this entire situation that you somehow, some way will reveal yourself to every individual. If they don't know you, Lord, that they will connect with you, Lord. That's the whole reason why we're talking this morning. That's the whole purpose for my preaching. That, Lord God, no matter what our circumstances, we will find a way to connect to you because when we connect to you, we have life and we have hope under any circumstances. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Or maybe you're like Josiah. Maybe you're out there and you come from a seriously dysfunctional family filled with a long history of drug addiction, a long history of gang violence, a tradition of death and prison, a lack of education, poverty, a lack of love, a lack of support, or a family that is agnostic, a family that is atheist, a family that is hostile and closed to God. Well, I want to encourage you today and let you know that if you hook up with God, God will set you on a path that leads you to success and 
and freedom. He can get rid of that drug addiction. He can get rid of the curses of gangs and prison and homelessness and poverty and failure. You hook up with God and he'll hook you up on the road that leads to success and get you out of that darkness, get you out of that wicked way of life, get you out of that situation that's negative and destructive and put you on the path that leads to eternal life with him. Don't we want to be successful? Don't we want to be good and do what's right and prosper? You hook up with God no matter what your situation, whether you're like David and feel like you're not important, or whether you're like Josiah and come from a very dysfunctional home, or whether you're like Joseph and come from a successful home. You need to hook up with Jesus. Because without Jesus, you got nothing. So now we come to Samuel, who in all aspects was pretty much an orphan child. Like so many orphans that are out there in our world, abandoned children, those that are in foster care. I think about those in juvenile hall. I think about those in youth authority camps. These kids that are out there that have no mother, no father, no support system, no one to care for them, no one to love them, no one to encourage them. It's a sad thing when you're a kid and you don't have a dad that's there to help you, to encourage you, to support you, or you don't have a mom that's there to embrace you and to hold you and to love you. That's a hard thing, man. And this is the thing that Samuel had to deal with. We're going to learn that Samuel loved God. And he too became a great leader for God, even though he grew up basically as an orphan child. Samuel was a miracle child. In order to understand why Samuel was a miracle child, we have to highlight a little bit about his mom, Hannah. Samuel's mom, Hannah, was a godly woman. She loved God. She desired to please God. She lived for God. She honored God with her life. In our text this morning, found in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read that Hannah was the wife of a man named Elkanah. The problem is that Elkanah had another wife, and her name was Penina. Listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2 says. It says, he had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. So right off the bat, we have some really serious issues going on here. First of all, Elkanah had two wives, and that's, that is always going to cause problems. Men, are you listening to what I'm saying? When you have two wives, it's always going to cause problems. The Bible tells us that Penina was a rival to Hannah. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. It says, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, the Bible actually says that Penina was Hannah's rival, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. These guys that had 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 more than one wife always had some major problems. Abraham had to deal with the rivalry between Sarah and Hagar. Jacob had to deal with the rivalry between Leah and Rachel. And it was Solomon's wives that caused him to turn his back on God. 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that Penina would intentionally provoke Hannah in order to irritate her. I like the way it says it in the in the, in the New King James Version. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, in the New King James Version, that says this, And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable. Everyone say the word miserable. Because the Lord had closed her womb. 
The New King James tells us that Penina would intentionally provoke Hannah and that would make, and that would cause Hannah to be miserable. How many of you would agree that being miserable is not fun? Would you guys all agree with that? Can you say amen? Being miserable or irritated is an emotion that can cause us to act in ways that can definitely get us into trouble. It can get us in our flesh really quick. When we're miserable, this means that we are unhappy about something. We're frustrated about something. We're angry about something. We feel trapped or hopeless or helpless about something. Webster's Dictionary defines miserable as very unhappy, very sad, wretched, causing pain, causing pain or unpleasant. You can go to work and you can feel miserable at your work. You can go to your school and feel miserable in your school. You can live in a certain neighborhood and you feel miserable in that neighborhood. You can uh, be on the freeway and feel miserable on that freeway. Probably I'm making some of you miserable right now because you're having to sit in this church listening to me right now. Maybe your husband makes you miserable. Maybe your wife makes you miserable. Maybe your kids make you miserable. Maybe your parents make you miserable. Maybe your dog makes you miserable. I don't know, but it's, I think we all agree that it's no fun being miserable. It's miserable being miserable. I like that. Very good. Okay. We have a theologian here in the house. Hallelujah. Church, is it possible to be a Christian who loves the Lord with all of their heart, soul, and mind and yet feel miserable or irritated? Yes, it is. I hate to break your heart, but it's very possible. The Bible says that Penina would provoke Hannah on purpose. Penina would tease Hannah on purpose or intentionally. Penina would torment Hannah on purpose or intentionally. Penina would mock Hannah. Penina would disrespect Hannah. Penina would intentionally gossip and talk behind Hannah's back and she let Hannah know that she was doing it to her face. Why was Hannah miserable? 1 Samuel 1.6 says, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. Her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Because Penina had lots of children and Hannah had none. Now, the husband, Elkanah, he, says, he said to Hannah, Aren't I better than ten children? Perhaps Penina had already given birth to ten kids. Okay? And Hannah had none. This was the same thing that happened to with Sarah and Hagar. This was the same thing that happened with Leah and Rachel. One had lots of kids and the other couldn't have any children. Listen to what 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 7 says. It says, This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. The Bible tells us that this went on year after year, year after year. Penina would intentionally provoke Hannah year after year. It would make Hannah so sick and miserable and angry and hurt that all she could do was cry and it would take away her appetite. Can you imagine the times that Penina would be pregnant and Penina's belly would be sticking out and Penina would intentionally walk by Hannah and rub her big belly with her baby in it against Hannah's shoulder. Look what I got, Hannah. I'm pregnant again, Hannah. She would intentionally torment Hannah. Can you imagine the times that 
uh, Penina would go to the, uh, the community well because in those days they didn't have any indoor plumbing. They didn't have the DWP. They had to go out to a well, get their water, and bring it home every single day, probably two, two or three times a day. They would go out and bring water from the well. And when the ladies would go out there to bring, get water and bring it, guess what? That was where they would talk. They would all talk. They would all connect. And Penina would say, oh, guess what, girls? Guess what, girls? I'm going to have another baby. Oh, I'm so excited. This makes number nine. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to have another baby. And everybody, uh, but what about Hannah? What's, is she pregnant? She, oh, but Hannah, she's a loser. She's a total loser. And then here comes poor Hannah to get water. And then you know how when somebody's talking about you and you come up and then all of a sudden, psh, everybody gets real quiet. Here comes Hannah. Here comes Hannah. Don't say anything. That's what happened. That's what Hannah had to deal with every single day, year by year. And then the ladies would come up with their theories as to why Hannah couldn't have kids. You know how we get all spiritual. Oh, Hannah, Hannah is cursed by God. Hannah has demons. Oh, Hannah is just wicked. She's probably just wicked. We don't know what, what, what she's, she's just a wicked woman. Hannah is being punished by God. Hannah is a loser. That's why God isn't giving her any kids. And, and we come up with all these theological conclusions as to why certain things happen to certain people. Imagine the times that Penina would have her baby in her arms and intentionally walk by Hannah and mad dog her or give her a smart aleck smirk. Look what I got in my arms, Hannah. My baby. Something that you'll never... And I'm not going to let you hold my baby, Hannah. Don't touch my babies. Don't touch my kids. Don't mess with my kids, Hannah. They're my kids. And if I see you touching them, holding them, wanting to love them, wanting to do anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after you. You better leave my kids alone, Hannah. And the Bible tells us that this would go on year after year. You know what? I want to read verse 7 again because I want you to see a little closer what it says. It says, this went on year after year. First Samuel 1 Samuel 1.7. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord... Her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Guess what, church? This happened even in church. Penina was even mean to Hannah when they would go to church. Aren't we all supposed to be nice to each other when we go to church? But how many of you know that sometimes we're not so nice to each other when we go to church? I know because some of you have been pretty mean to me sometimes. But this would go on in church, in the house of God. This rivalry, this hatred, this putting down, this, this, this hurt and this pain and this miserable situation would go on in church. And yet we know that Hannah was a godly woman. She was not a wicked woman. She was a godly woman. We know that she really loved God. We know that she desired to please God. We know that she desired to live for God and honor God with her life. How do we know this? Because of what it says in verses 9 through 11. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Listen to what it says about Hannah. Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, which is the church, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. 
In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. We know that Hannah loved God because nowhere in the Bible does it tell us that Hannah ever retaliated against Penina. Did you hear what I just said? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Penina ever retaliated against Penina. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Hannah ever cursed out Penina. Nowhere does it say that Hannah ever talked bad about Penina. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Hannah got bitter or angry with God or that she blamed God or that she had an attitude with God. I don't know about you, but I'm ashamed to admit this. That if this were happening to me, if I were Hannah, every time I would see Penina, I would start imagining dark, evil, wicked, painful, and torturous things that I would want to do to her. Did you hear what I just said? This is Pastor Jerry talking. This is Pastor Jerry. Oh, man, if I was Penina, I mean, if I was Hannah, every time I would see Penina, man, you have no idea what kind of wicked thoughts would go through my head. Wicked, ugly, dark things that I would want to do to her. Maybe I would even have an attitude with God and get mad at God for a lot. Why is this happening to me, God? Why are you picking on me, God? Why are all these people talking about me, God? Why are you being so mean to me, God? This this is not fair to me. No, no, no. I mean, that's me. That's what I would be doing. Not you, because you guys are all saints. You guys are all good. You guys are all like righteous people. But me? No, no, no. I'm messed up in my head, man. I'm so messed up. You see, if it was me, I would have prayed. I would have gotten on my knees, and I would have I said, God, God, I'm pleading with you. Please kill Penina. Please kill her, God. Get rid of this girl. She is like tormenting me. I, I can't stand it. Get, get, kill her. And, and God, please, please, when you kill her, do it slowly, God. Do it really slow. Make it hurt. Make it painful. I, I want to hear her, her, her agony crying out. Okay, another theological statement, okay? Penina knew that Elkanah, the husband, loved Hannah more. And that's one of, the, one of the reasons why Penina would always pick on Hannah, because she knew that Elkanah loved Hannah more, okay? All right, so guys, just stick to one wife and love her as best as you can, okay? Don't be messing around. All right, so, so, I'm just letting you know how wonderful of a pastor you have here at Chatsworth Foursquare Church. That's all. Okay? The sad truth is this. That if I had that, that I actually, this is true, what I'm about to say. I have had a lot of people talk bad about me. It's a true statement. I can't deny it. It's a sad thing to say, but they do. 
They say all kinds of stuff. And man, I'll tell you, when I hear about it, it is so hard for me to stay quiet. It's so hard for me just to be on the down low. I mentioned Mel Wilson a while ago. And in our men's Bible studies, he would always share with us as men how we would have to deal with haters. Do any of you have any haters in your life? People that are jealous of you, people that hate you, people that are in competition with you, people that want to, like, challenge you all the time. I mean, does anybody? Okay, some of you are raising your hands. Everybody else, everybody loves you, and that's good. Okay, that's great. Okay? But for those of us that have haters, okay, and Mal, sadly, he had a lot of haters in his life because people would get really jealous of him. They would get really competitive with him because, you see, Mel Wilson, he's connected to a lot of these politicians. He served under Mayor Reardon. He served with Ray, Mayor Villaraigosa. I don't know if he's serving with uh, Mayor Garcetti because Mel is kind of, now that he's getting older, he said he wants to kind of like back off politics and back off all these committees that he's been a part of. But he's, he was connected to all these special committees, and there would be people in those committees that would get Jealous of Mel because these mayors and these high roller people, they would look to Mel because, first of all, number one, they saw that Mel was a man of God. They saw that Mel was a man of God, that he feared the Lord, and they liked that about Mel. Secondly, they saw that Mel had tremendous wisdom, more than some of the professional people that, they were, that were hired by the city to help our mayors and to help these people make decisions. I mean, people go to school and they get trained and they get educated to help uh, the city be become a better city. And Mel had the wisdom from God. And so they relied on Mel. But these other guys that were maybe more educated than Mel and maybe more politically uh, in tune than Mel, they would get jealous with Mel. And they would talk bad about him. And he would share this stuff with us at our men's Bible studies. And we would pray for him. And we would pray for all those guys. And we would ask God to help him. See, the Bible teaches us how we are to respond to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. Matthew 5, verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew 5, 43 to 47. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? In other words, church, when people do you wrong, when you have haters, what does God say? You pray for them. Pray for them. Don't be like Pastor Jerry and pray that God will kill them. No, pray for them that God will save them. That's what we need to do, church. What is even more sad is that when Hannah went to the altar in church to pray about her situation, even the preacher put her down. The priest thought that she was a wino or a drunkard. Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant... 
but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and, she, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. That's a really sad thing when you are hurting and you're suffering and you're in pain and you go to your pastor because you want to get some encouragement from him or you want to get some prayer support from him and instead you get rebuked and falsely accused of being a wino. How would you like that? That's pretty harsh. That's pretty sad. But what is so amazing about Hannah is that even then, Even then, she did not get bitter or angry with God. She did not get bitter or angry with Penina. She did not get angry or bitter with Elkanah, her husband. She did not get bitter or angry with Pastor Jerry. I mean, Eli the priest. Okay. First Samuel chapter one, verses 16 through 18 says this. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. It seems that God honored her sincere heart and her attitude. Hannah prayed and cried out to God. She did not pray that God would kill Penina. She did not pray that God would kill Elkanah, her husband. She did not pray that God would kill the pastor or the priest. Hannah prayed that God would give her a son. Church, we've got to ask God to help us not to get bitter, not to get angry, not to get revengeful, not to get frustrated, not to lash out, but to cry out to God and say, God, give me more of Jesus. Give me more of your son. I need Jesus right now, God. I'm all messed up in my head. I'm all messed up in my emotions. I'm all messed up with my feelings. I'm all messed up with what I'm thinking. I need your help. I need more of Jesus in my heart, Lord Jesus. God, help me with all this poison that's in my soul right now. And what makes this even more powerful is that the Bible tells us that even after all of this, Hannah chose to worship God. She still didn't have her son. She still didn't have the prayer uh, uh, answered that she was praying for. But you know what? She still chose to worship God. This is amazing. Even in the midst of her pain, even in the midst of her rejection, even in the midst of her hurt, even in the midst of her disappointment, she still chose to worship God. But not just by herself. It appears that she worshiped God in partnership with her husband and Panina. Panina, I know that you hate me, but I don't care. I'm going to get you in my arm. And we're going to get together with our husband and we're going to worship God together as a family. Listen to what it says here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home. It says this, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Rabbah. They means all together as a family. They worship God. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And guess what, church? God answered Hannah's prayer. Now, let me say this straight up. Does God always answer our prayers? No, he doesn't. I wish I could say 100% of the time that God answers all of our prayers. Maybe he does, but he does it in his way. Not the way we think he should. In this particular case, God answered her prayer. God chose to give her a son. God gave Hannah a miracle child, and his name was Samuel. And here's where we begin the story of Samuel, and we're going to continue this next Sunday. This is important for all of you that feel like you're orphans, for all of you that feel that you don't have a mother or a father or a support system, you're stuck in a foster home or in a foster care system, you're stuck in juvenile hall somewhere by yourself, you're stuck in a youth authority camp by yourself, you're alone, you have no family, you have no parents, you have no siblings, and, 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 and you're looking for someone to support you, and, and you're receiving, you're at the mercy of whoever it is that's taking care of you. If they treat you good, praise God, and if they treat you bad, there's nothing you can do about it. That's why I'm speaking to you right now. And you know what's really sad? You may be married and feel like an orphan. You may be in a family with a mother and a father and brothers and sisters and still feel like an orphan. I want you to know that if you hook up with God, God is there to lift you up and to help you be successful in your life, no matter what your circumstances Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you will help us to learn from Hannah's example. Help us to learn, Lord Jesus, from the way she responded to the miserable situation of her life. It was a terrible thing that she was going through. And the Bible says that she went through this every single day and year by year, and it would not stop. And, and, and Penina, her rival, she was bad. And yet, Hannah, remain faithful to you to the end. Help us to respond to these things that happen to us that are very painful and hurtful and unfair and unjust and don't make any sense. Help us to respond in the same way that we would go to you, that we would cry out to you, that we would put our hope and faith in you, that we would not give up, and that we would worship you no matter what, Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Just lift up your hand right now. Those of you online that are watching, if you're like David and you feel neglected, neglected. if you're like Joseph and you feel like you got everything and yet you have nothing, if you're like Josiah and you are in a very dysfunctional home that's all messed up. Or maybe you're like Samuel and you're an orphan and you have no support. I want you to know that you have God. He wants to be on your side. He wants to help you. And he's there for you. And if you want to receive him this morning, just say this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I humble myself and I admit, Lord, that I am a sinner and that I need forgiveness. 
Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. And today, I willingly surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless all of you. If you receive that, if you receive the Lord, if you said that prayer with me here today for the very first time, we want to give you a Bible. You contact us at one of the phone numbers that's there on the online services. We'll make sure to contact you. We'll pray with you and we'll connect with you. And uh, we want to get to know you. God bless all of you. Thank you for, so much for being in church here today. You have a blessed, blessed day. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.